Hi everybody and welcome to another Torrid Up interview. You know, and as always, we're so appreciative of the artist to take time to speak with us here on the show. Now, I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this because I've been a fan of this person for quite a while and in fact our cousin as well. And um, it's just, look at, talent runs deep in this family uh, the blues, the the music of the blues certainly does. So so without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure and honour to introduce to you on the torn up interview the one and only Tiffany Ann Pollock. How are you, Tiffany? I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <clears throat> Excuse me, a frog in the throat. Um, tell me something, Tiffany. I mean. Was there, well, we know there's music in the family, but in your immediate family, was there music in it? Or when did you force, you know, get started to say that music was the life for you, Tiffany? Well, um, I was adopted at birth and the family, my adopted family that raised me is not musical at all. Um, So, but I always was. Um, and I always just had this need and desire to do it. And I was always singing, you know, whatever I would hear on the radio, singing along. And, you know, as soon as I could write, I started like writing poetry. And then my parents had this little electric organ. Um, and I used to pick out little songs on it and stuff. And I started teaching myself how to play by ear and uh yeah so it was just always like a part of me um even though um, nobody was doing it professionally or in any form but I mean the my parents did uh listen to a lot of good music you know I grew up around a lot of uh old country music and um and a lot of New Orleans, you know, kind of soul and, uh, you know, Mardi Gras music and stuff like that. I suppose, you know, Tiffany, the, you know, the fact that it is the blues and the men that you do uh, and the fact that you live in, in the New Orleans area, I, I suppose for pe- people who are gifted musically, it's it's a kind of a pretty strong influence, isn't it? It, it, does, it The area really... Is an area really very important wherever you live or wherever the state of the music is, it's going to have a big impression on you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you just grow up with this, with the culture and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, Mardi Gras Indians and, you know, stuff like that. I just was always, like, a part of, uh, you know, the culture and what I grew up around and, the, the the way that we talk and I don't know the kind of music we make it's just all you know influenced from the gumbo of cultures that is this area <laughs> it's kind of special isn't it like there is there's no, there is no other place on earth like New Orleans because uh, I've never been. I hope to be there sometime in the not too distant future. But they say that your know, music, if you're in New Orleans, music never stops being played. It's played all the time. That it's just once you get into that area, you're just immersed in music. Yeah, 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could just be walking down the street and someone will be singing or dancing or playing an instrument or, you know, it's just everywhere. So, so you know, <clears throat> with that being the case, Tiffany, you know, when COVID come along and shut everything down, it must have been a serious jolt to the system for an area like New Orleans. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, all of us, um, all of us in the musician community were struggling, and um, we all turned to live streaming. I started doing it pretty early on simply because... I just felt like I was going to lose my mind if I wasn't, like, making music with my friends on a regular basis. Like, I just couldn't handle it. So we quickly formed, like, little musician pods and started streaming together. And we reached a lot more people than we ever really expected or intended to which was really cool. Um, I We did it like once a week, and I think for a minute, twice a week um, for a, a while. Uh, and then, you know, as outdoor venues, um, a lot of the breweries here in New Orleans started hosting outdoor shows and people were doing porch concerts and stuff. So more... Um, opportunities to see music outside lots of venues rethought the way that they did things and started hosting outdoor shows so i mean as soon as people were allowed to leave the house with a mask on you know people were gathering to listen to music in small groups and uh i mean you just can't stop it here <laughs> you just can't well, you know what? <clears throat> I think it was actually the same here too, what you're describing now. We eventually were allowed to, you know, those venues opened outdoor venues where, where it could have, because, you know, and it's the same here in Ireland, like, you know, music is, is part of our DNA and, and to have that taken away, and God, like, would anyone have ever thought, you know, that the right to listen to music live, go to a gig with your friends or whatever, that that ever be taken away. No one would have ever guessed that. And yet it happened almost overnight. And I think there's a great appreciation now that it's back, you know, that we take nothing for granted because who knows what can happen again. So every opportunity to experience some good music, I think people are taking it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we just, we needed it. It's, it's, it's not only therapeutic for the people who are making it, but it's therapeutic for the people who are listening and, and just the, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a universal thing. <laughs> it is. I would like to say that, that music is food for the soul. M music feeds your soul, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I could, yeah. You put you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and I think, you know, Tiffany, you know, in, in the world we live in, sometimes the soul is starved. Uh, you know, maybe physically we're fed and, and maybe people work and financially they're all right, but they forgot to feed their soul. And if your soul's not fed, then there is no balance. No, nothing works the way it should. And, 
you know, <clears throat> even, you know, previous generations of way back thousands of years ago, you know, whether it was Native Americans or wherever it may have been, they never, ever, ever forgot that music was a very important part of their day and it was a time for release, it was time for connecting with spirit and, and, and really being at peace. And, and maybe in our modern world sometimes we forgot that. But I think when COVID happened and we had it taken away, we then realised uh, how important it is. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. It's absolutely essential, <laughs> you know, to to be happy. <laughs> well, it certainly contributes to happiness. If you if you have music in your life and and particularly live music, uh, it's it it certainly does. Tell me something, Tiffany. Then you're 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 a solo artist in the main. Were you ever involved with, we'll say, a collaboration with other artists, bands, or whatever? Or was it? Did you always kind of stay solo? What 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 did you do? I mean, I started out as a backup singer, and um, so I've definitely, and I still continue to occasionally back up. Uh, people and I have collaborated. I'm, I'm, when I had my original, my first original band after um, after I I played with, I started out with Russell Batiste and friends, and then after his wife and I started our own band, and then she left. So then it was my band. I was collaborating with my piano player and my bass player and writing songs with them, and. Um, and I songwriting collaborations that have been released though the only person I've ever collaborated with and released something well the first person was uh, my cousin Eric and that was that was a lot of fun uh, writing with him I don't get to do it that often um, but recently I've been able to do it a lot and I'm having a lot of fun with it <laughs> well that 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 certainly that that sounds good. I mean, uh, even the whole the whole story about meeting Eric and, and musically then collaborating. How did the album come about? I'd love to hear your story on the album. How how the two of you come about and say, right, we're going to make this album. Well, I was doing a lot of uh, session vocals at the music shed, the studio where we recorded the album, and uh, the. The producer for that album, Jack Mealy, I was working for him doing background vocals on various projects he was working on. And I had mentioned that I wanted to do a jazz album. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll help you record a jazz album. And I was like, OK. And so I made a little EP. I, I did like three songs. And I didn't write any of them. It was all just standards. Um, I just really wanted to use it to get gigs, more like hotel gigs and stuff, because I was doing a lot of that downtown in New Orleans and uh, doing a lot of jazz. And uh, he was shopping the jazz EP to a bunch of labels, and he wasn't getting any bites, and he was already doing some work for Sally Bankston of NOLA Blue, on an album with Benny Turner and he let Sally listen to it and Sally was like oh I really like her 
but we're a blues label. And I was like, well, my cousin Eric and I just got together very recently and did a blues concert. Him and I had collaborated and his mother and, you know, my mother and everyone, they wanted us to go up to central Louisiana to basically play for our family and friends um, in this really beautiful auditorium there. So we put together like a little show of a couple of jazz, uh, like New Orleans bluesy jazz standards and some standard <coughs> blues. Yeah. And uh, I had some recordings of that and I sent that to Sally and she already knew about Eric, and she heard those, and she immediately, like, wanted to sign us. And so I called up Eric and was like, hey, do you want to do a blues record together? And he was like, okay. <laughs> so that's kind of how it happened. But tell you one thing, it's right. a really fine album. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we it was it was a really cool experience collaborating with Eric. Um, you know, he's so talented, and it was really fun to uh, to write with somebody again. I hadn't done it in a while at that point. So, mm. and tell me something, Tiffany. I'm bringing your up to the present day. What's happening at the minute? Is there any more new music being recorded or tours planned? What's happening in the world of Tiffany Ann Pollock? Well, I, you know, got my regular gigs in New Orleans. I'm going out of town um, to do a couple of gigs in uh, central Louisiana with my band. And then I'm flying up to do a, in July, I'm doing a blues festival in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So a lot of like just one-offs, you know, um, no tours planned. I'm writing and I'm just preparing uh, to be recording an album at some point as soon as I finish coming up with enough songs. So that's what I'm mainly focused on and just playing you know regional gigs because it's easy to do in new orleans <laughs> so would it be right in saying that you know if you if you're a blues artist in the new orleans area uh that there is there is opportunities to play on a regular basis that once now covid is gone the demand's back that it, it's easy enough to kind of stay in that general area and not really have to go outside it and keep yourself, uh, you know, gigging fairly regularly. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I play in some surrounding parishes and stuff like that, and, yeah, it's it's good. Um, and a lot of my uh, bandmates, you know, they all play in, in various projects, and so do I, so... You know, I don't just do blues. I also do jazz and country so that I um, can still play a lot uh, and not be oversaturating the market locally. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that sounds cool. And I mean, look at the end of the day, no matter what the genre, music is music. So, I mean, you know... Uh, most of us, you know, have a broad taste of music and that, and that goes for the general public. So if you can satisfy that broad taste and maybe play in different formats or do different things with different people, 
I mean, well, A, it keeps you very busy, but B, I think it's good for you because it stimulates your your whole creativity process because you're playing different genres, you're playing with different people, and I think that has to be good. Yeah, I mean, I'm always, uh, I always love collaborating with new other musicians locally, and, and um, you know, lately I've been collaborating with some guys up in Pennsylvania where the record label is. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with that, and I always learn from everybody that I work with. And, you know, you take a little bit from all of your experiences and, you know, make your own stuff better. And I don't know. I'm always enjoying learning more and experimenting more and trying new things. Would it be fair enough to say that even song, you know, the creation of certain songs that you pick up a lot from kind of life experiences or things that has happened and that, that, that somehow that turns into a song? I mean, uh, maybe not in every case, but I imagine a lot of cases that ideas for songs come from real life experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the majority of the songs that I write are autobiographical. Um, you know, I have written songs that are just, you know, like a fictional story. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's uh, when I write, it's it's my personal experience I'm drawing from. I think you think that's good because I think when you do something like that, I mean... Do you know, lots of us, we, we, of course, we don't have the same experience, but there are commonalities in life generally. You know, there is commonalities, and I think people pick up on that too, that maybe they'll listen to a song and they hear lyrics and, and, and they feel it fits their life or it describes something that's going on in their life. And then because of that, they sort of connect with the song. So I, I, I would, that's what I reckon, that when you do stuff like that, there comes from a real life experience. You can be sure that somebody somewhere out there has had a similar experience and they'll connect with the lyrics. Yeah, there's definitely no greater compliment either when someone from the audience um, comes up and says, oh, wow, that song you wrote, you know, really moved me or whatever. Like, that always just makes my life. <laughs> It, it, you know, it is, I have even had it, you know, where I listen to an artist perform a song and and it just touched me and said, wow, you know, that, that could be my story. And, and I remember doing exactly what you said there, going up to an artist and saying, Jesus, that song, like, it, it really describes me almost to a T. And he saying the same as you, he said, wow, he said, you know, that means so much to me if that means that to you. So... It is that kind of a bond that can happen that, you know, if you create something. I mean, if you think about music when you create a song, you know, five minutes before you create it, it didn't exist. And then when you create it and when you, when you write it down and when you record it, it's there forever. So it is, it is a beautiful creation in every sense of the world because it didn't exist before that and now it does and it's there forever. Oh, yeah. I always call my songs my babies. Um <laughs> I had a really difficult time when I was making um, my so my uh, solo release record um, because I had you know way more songs written than I really needed uh, 
And I just had, I kept like lamenting to the producer and my bandmates that I can't kill my babies. Y'all are going to have to tell me which ones we're going to use because I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't kill my babies. <laughs> well, you see, it is a personal thing. You know, if you, it, it, you know, no matter whether it's music or let's just say it's somebody, you know, uh, you know, creating art, whether it's a painting or maybe it might even be pottery or somebody. Anytime you create something, it's deeply personal and, and there is, of course, a connection, whatever that is. So a song is certainly, you know, certainly that. So I can imagine even when artists are recording an album and they're having to make decisions as to what they use and what they don't use, it, it can't be easy, but it's, uh, then, then what happens sometimes in the future, the, the songs that weren't used are maybe an expanded edition. I get why they do that as well, but um, it's, it's a beautiful process. Yeah, it is. Well, I love it. All, all I can say, Tiffany, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. You know, it's, it's, um, it's something that's been on my to-do list for a while, and particularly I'd spoken to Eric, and I knew the connection with both of you. And uh, such talent in the family, and, and you brought so much joy to so many of us, and I certainly love listening to you sing. You have a beautiful voice, and, and you're a great lyricist. And uh, on behalf of myself here, and Colm, the producer on the show, torn up on behalf of the station, Radio Home of Rock, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with us here on the show. And we're certainly be following what's happening in your life and keep in contact with us and we will do whatever we can uh, to help you along the way. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> well, listen, we'll not leave it too long till we catch up again. But for now, Tiffany, thanks so much for doing the Torn Up interview here on Radio Home of Rock. Anytime. Thanks a bunch.